0: Tonight I want to begin with a, a few words before we get into Isaiah 53 this morning. And we've all heard the statement, born to die, born to die. And could you imagine just for a moment if you knew what your death was going to be? It's one thing to be born and not to know where your fate is ending, but it's another to know that you have a road to travel and this end is a cross. And Jesus wasn't some person who did not know what His destiny and what His future was. He, he was not oblivious that this word that we open tonight was speaking of Him and the very essence of who Christ was. And so... As I was thinking about this time for us together, as we gather around the Word and we look at it as family, we're family here. And we know the words that Jesus says in John 3.16-17, and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And we don't really take time. This is what we call Holy Week, right? It's just called Holy Week. But I want to take for just a moment that we take what I call a holy pause. And we just pause for the moment and we think about these words that were spoken and this word gave. We could say gave is just like a gift. You give something. But no, this very word gave that God is using here, that Jesus used, is a sacrifice. This word gave is to endure the loss of someone or Something. So, when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he knew that he was going to lose his son to the hands of his creation. And then he sent his, wor- his son not into the world to judge the world. And this word, send here, is a goal, there was a purpose purpose and a goal set before him. So we think about the garden of Gethsemane tonight where he was uh, crying and and he sweated blood and he was asking the father, Lord, if this cup, what this cup of wrath, if this cup could pass from me, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done and the anguish that he knew that was getting ready to come, and that was his destiny and his fate. But I want to say that why this destiny and why this fate was lying before him, and I want to go to Romans chapter 3, and and I'm going to start in verse 9 through 18, and this is where you and I are at and we're at. It says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Have you come... To the point of the cross that you realize that this is you and I? And there's nothing that we can do about it. We've tried throughout human history since the fall. We have tried to be good enough to be accepted by someone, to be loved, and to be of worth. But here is our, this is our destiny. This is who we are. We can't sugarcoat it. So where is our hope? You see, for this wretched mankind, this is who, whom Jesus has come to save. So we're going to go to Isaiah 53 and we're going to look just for a moment of what this suffering servant, this man of sorrow did for you and I. It was fun today to read Psalm 22 with my kids and then go to Matthew 27 and it just line up. And the kids are just amazed at how Jesus, the cross, and all this lines up with prophecy. There's nothing that God has left undone. But it starts this, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty, that we should look upon Him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to Him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. And it goes on, and I'm going to break open a few of these Scriptures, and I know we know them, but, but we, we need to take time to pause and let it sink in. But he says, Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried, yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And this word grief here, it means misery resulting from affliction. You see, Jesus Himself, as He states this, and we see it in Matthew 8, 17, He Himself took our infirmities and He carried away our diseases. but He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, and by His scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. And I have a little asterisk here. He gave himself freely. And some would say that Jesus was just a good example. But I want to tell you tonight that he is more than just an example, he's everything. It says, "By oppression and judgment, he was taken away." And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people, to whom the stroke was due. You see, in I like this word here, is because it was you and I who deserved. The cross. It was you and I who brought sin into this world. And you might say, well, no, that's just Adam and Eve, but they are the original cast that we all come from their line, and we believe that man's heart is wickedly wicked and sick and needs help. Every one of us. And it goes on to say, his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. And we know in 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we know the Old Testament. We know that a man who sins, is, there's sickness, there's death, there's all kinds of havoc, a, a reaping of reward and, and punishment, and so we know that sin deserves God's wrath. And you see, sometimes we don't think about it very often. We lose the meaning of what it means to be before a holy God. It's so often that you and I act as if God is so familiar that we can just run into His presence as if sin does not stink before His nostrils. And the Word promises us that sin separates us from God. And what are the declarations that we see in Scripture And from John the Baptist? Behold the Lamb of God who comes to save the world. And then it goes on in verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, and then that word if, he will see his offspring. The result of if he offers himself uh, as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will, will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in His hand. And as a result of the anguish of His soul, He will see it and be satisfied. And I cannot get over Hebrews 12 where it talks about is because of the joy that was set before Him, He was able to what? Endure the cross. Why? Because He knew the results would be you and I sitting here in Him Holy before God. He knew it. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities, their sins. Therefore, I will allot with him a portion with the great, and we will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and he was numbered with transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. You see... We have to grasp this message. And what it is, is we say, Good Friday. And as I was in getting my hair cut yesterday, the, the other hairstylist said, Why do we call it Good Friday? And I said, I don't know, I asked the same question. It's a really bad Friday. And she agreed and I agreed. But then I looked at the word and, and heard some things on the word good, and it is good. Why is it so good? Why is today considered Good Friday? And why do we look? Why do we take time to look on our Messiah, the King who has died for us? Is because grace was given today. Mercy and truth were met where? At the cross. And you see, this is something that the world cannot understand and the world cannot know, is that we believe in the judgment seat of God. And we believe that one day that all the world, all creation, and I'm going to talk about this on Sunday, but all creation, we were all made for eternity. We are all eternal beings. And without Christ, we are under the wrath of God, which means without Him, our destiny will be an eternity. Without God, with weeping and gnashing, which we call hell. But here's the good news. is that when we stand before God, if we are in Christ, we will stand before Him holy, blameless, and above reproach. That is good news. So what we do tonight is we remember we remember the cross. And we remember that that cross to a dying world is foolishness. But those who are being saved, what is it? It is the power of God to redeem us. And so tonight. That's what we do. We say that Jesus is enough. We say that, Lord, You have done everything for us. And there's a, there's a verse that's been going on and going through my head from a song that we all know very well. And it's, How Great Thou Art. And it says this, And when I think that God, His Son not sparing sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art. So that's what we do tonight. We take this holy moment, we take this holy pause, and we say, Lord, we want to remember all that You have done for us. And You see, we can't jump into the story right now. I guess we can jump into the story in our imaginations. But as I think about this, how often do we relive what Christ has done for us? And the good news is Christ only had to suffer once. That is it. One time, and it was done. It wasn't something that had to be done year after year after year. And so I want us to know tonight that what He has done for us on the cross is enough. And then I have to share this as the worship team comes back up. is that right now, we live in a time and a period of human history, that there is still sickness and there still is death. And we have to struggle through what it is to have sickness, and what it is to have sorrow, and what it is is to go through pain, but then there is this tension with us that Jesus bore all our griefs, and by His stripes we are healed. And I believe wholeheartedly that that Scripture is a salvation Scripture. And I do not want to take it out of context, but as I've been looking at it and thinking about it, is by His stripes we are truly healed. That Jesus has the power to heal even our sicknesses. And the power to heal... And so I want you to think about this for the moment tonight. If you're struggling with a sickness, if you're struggling with something, Jesus has the power to heal you. But then, I also want to introduce another side to it. is that if you don't receive your healing in this life, you will receive your healing in the next. And that is what we're going to celebrate Sunday. Because you see, without the resurrection, there's no need to be here tonight. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection, a good man just died for us. Just a good man. But because on Sunday, we're going to say that, no, God was with us. No, God accepted His Son as a perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And that is why Jesus rose from the dead. So what we're going to do tonight is, as we have been doing the last several Good Friday services. We're going to listen to the song and, and we're just going to contemplate on the work of the cross in our lives and how it has changed our lives and how we have been born again. We're just going to meditate and think on this of what Christ has done. And then after they sing, you're going to know when they're done. What we're going to do is we're going to open up the table and as they're singing, I'll open up the, the holy sacraments and I'll open them up to you. And I, but I want you to take time to think of what Christ has done for you. And I don't care how long you have to sit here. This is a moment for us to take a holy pause and just to think on His work. And when you're ready, I would ask you to come and partake and and take the bread and take the drink and partake in communion. And then I would ask you to just leave silently. It is our moment to say, I don't know what it was like to be back in the disciples' time, but man, it must have been horrible to see your King suffer, to see God suffer on the cross, and to have no hope. All your hope is drained. All of it is gone. And that is what we're going to try to do tonight. So I want to read a few words before you, before they start to sing, and we we meditate and contemplate on what we've read tonight. It says this. The while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after, blessing, after a blessing, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and He said, Take, eat. This is My body. And when He had taken a cup and given thanks, He gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you. (laughs) With you. In my Father's kingdom. There is a day That we will sit at the table again with Christ. And He will drink of His drink again. But it will be totally different. And it will be with with us. And it goes on to say, And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives And then as we go, we we can think of this in Scriptures, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of Me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But, after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and I will meet with you there. So as we sing tonight, I remember, let's go through the whole song. Listen, sing with it however you want to do it. It's fine with me. And then when you're ready, the, uh, the elements will be here and just come forward and take them uh, either by yourselves or with your family. So let's sing, listen together.